Rick Jensen. On 1150 AM, 101.7 FM, WDEL. Scott Spencer is a rail consultant. He's been a professional in this business for many, many years. In fact, uh, he works out of his Wilmington office called Ameristar Rail. He's on the phone right now because, you know, in light of what happened in East Palestine, Ohio, now there's more and more focus on rail. And Scott has been very, very concerned for quite a while here about, well the safety of our own Amtrak cars here in Delaware, especially when it goes to high-speed rail. Scott, thanks for being on. Well, Rick, thank you for having me on this very important issue regarding passenger safety. And the issue actually is is rooted a lot in Delaware because uh, the cars were originally built in Philadelphia in the 70s. This is the Ampli cars that many of us use on the Amtrak. Amtrak's regional trains between Washington, New York, and Boston, and they're maintained uh, throughout their life in in the Wilmington shops and the uh, shops in Bear as well. So um, there's a lot of Delawareans that work uh, to keep these cars operating safely. But just to let your listeners know what we're doing, Ameristar Rail, we're a uh, Wilmington-based LLC. We have our office right there on King Street, and we're trying to help Amtrak out. We have access to uh, private financing to help Amtrak revitalize the Northeast Quarter. And the way we want to do it is with a standard fleet of high-speed trains. So like the airlines and the high-speed trains in Europe and Asia, everybody travels together. So right now Amtrak has high-speed trains, as we've talked previously, only for those who can afford business in first class and then coach on the slower regional trains. Well, we want to transform the Northeast Quarter so every train – has triple-class service of coach, business, and first-class. And what that means is that all passengers will travel safer and faster in newer equipment. The problem right now is Amtrak has these Amfleet cars, and uh, they're approaching 50 years old, and they have no replacement date in sight. Yes, they have plans to replace them, but because of the long uh, manufacturing time, uh, it'll be sometime after 2030, well after they're a half century old before the cars are replaced. And um, our team has said uh, this is not the safest course of action for passengers. Uh, our mentor and advisor is Paul Reistrup. Uh, he's a former president of Amtrak, and he wrote a letter about this issue last month to the administrator of the Federal Railroad Administration. And his point was this. Um, when you look at the safety features that are available in the uh, Acela trains, there was safety features, technology, uh, structural materials, crash energy management systems that didn't exist in the 1970s that are, uh, that are on the new trains that don't exist on the Amfleet. And we're saying, why wait for safety? Why not take the safest course of action? And in my railroad career over 40 years, Rick, this is the most serious safety situation I've ever seen because, as Mr. Reistrup points out in the letter, no one in railroad history has run cars so old so fast. And that's a safety risk that none of us should be facing. You know, uh, former state rep John Kowalko actually chimed in a little bit during the news. We we're talking, he was t- telling me about, you know, his experience, his knowledge, his, his concern. He's very, very concerned um, about uh, some of these older trains even going around a turn at 110 miles an hour. That, uh, you know, they just, what, what is it that they're lacking uh, that the newer train, the newer cars have? 
Right. 125 miles an hour is the speed that they operate at. Right. Well, he was concerned um, about even they, just 110, but yes. Yeah. But uh, what they don't have is the structural materials that have been invented since the 1970s. There's various safety features in terms of passenger evacuation and, and the design of the, um, the structure of the car. There is window systems that are much more sturdy to prevent the passengers from being injured or thrown from the train. There is also crash energy management systems that are on these new Acela trains that don't exist on the Amfleet cars. So what we're saying is this, and I'll give you the analogy here. If you went, these cars are built in 1975. If you went to a classic car show, Rick, and someone was showing you their 1975 Ford Mustang. Hey, you want to go for a ride? Yeah, you can go for a ride. You'll be safe. You know it's a well-built car. You know the classic car collectors taking great care, replacing and uh, fixing uh, the uh, car. But if someone pulled up and said, hey, how about a ride in my 2023 Ford Mustang? Well, you're going to be decidedly safer because there's been things invented that didn't exist, like side impact panels, airbags, crash energy management systems. It's, it's far more safer. And now if one of them says, hey, how about we go down I-95 at 125 miles an hour? Well, I think I'd rather be in the, the 2023 Ford Mustang at least, uh, breaking the speed limit. So <laughs> yeah. here is the risk. Yeah. Here is the risk we're facing. Um, these cars, as we said, no one has crossed this threshold of running half-century-old cars 125 miles an hour. Well, let me interrupt so you right why... there because, you know, I look at some of these freight trains, you know, and uh, and those cars look to be like 100 years old. You know, they, you, you have a lot of rust on them and such like that. Are, are those patently unsafe then on the no, freight trains? because they actually, have, they actually have more stringent restrictions. If a freight car is 40 years old, it cannot operate unless certain components and compliances are replaced or refurbished, Rick. Mm -hmm. If a freight car becomes 50 years old, you can't even move it a mile without having a special permit every time you move that 50-year-old that freight car. Passenger cars have no such restriction, yet we're carrying the lives of people on these car trains. And I've been asked, because we, we're obviously dealing with our congressional delegation, and I've been asked by their staff, well, why is that? We've never crossed this threshold. You know, even when Amtrak was created, they inherited cars they were complaining were old, 25 to 35 years old. They replaced them. Nobody has ever tried to run cars over 50 years old at 125 miles an hour. I mean, come on. There's no need to do it. Now, we've highlighted this issue but we have a solution. We have access to $5.5 billion in private asset investment to build additional trains that are already being built in Hornell, New York. That's why we can build them faster than waiting to order something else. And we can replace all these Amfleet cars, Rick, starting this year, and all of them replaced before they turn 50 years old in 2025. So where is the money coming from? Well, we have uh, several private investors who have invested in ships, airports, uh, trains throughout the United States and around the world, and they recognize what Ameristar Rail – people can see for themselves on our website, AmeristarRail.com. 
we have a plan to transform the Northeast quarter uh, dramatically with faster service, including coach passengers on all these high-speed trains, service out to Long no, Island. No, I, I know you, you said and, that, but I'm, I'm curious. Uh, uh, there's there's got to be a profit motive. So uh, what is the privately... Oh, of course. So what is exactly the privately funded solution here, and, and, uh, and, and who's investing in this? Okay, so Ameristar Rail takes care of the cost above the rail of buying the trains, operating, and maintaining the trains. And then we pay user fees to Amtrak for using the tracks, slots, the station services fees, and monthly performance incentives. So they're going to make money from us. And how do we do that? Well, you know, Amtrak's important for reducing congestion on I-95. It's for reducing pollution and our climate issues. But guess what? They only have, after 50 years of running the Northeast Quarter, Rick, they only have a single-digit market share. And in some city pairs, it's as low as 3%. So our investors recognize a classic business opportunity to significantly grow ridership revenue and profit by getting greater market share. And that's what we're doing with brand new equipment, faster service, new routes, more frequent service. And uh, that's how we deliver. And as I said, people can see it on our website, ameristarrail.com. And if you look at latest proposals page, you'll see the issue regarding these aging Amfleet cars. So uh, is this going to increase the cost of the fares then in order to uh, you know provide some profit for these investors? No, no. We're actually going to make service more affordable, much closer to the out-of-pocket cost of driving. We're going to have a fare policy that allows adults to bring up to two children under the age of 18 for free. Now, why do we allow kids up to teenage years because in just a few years they become college students and that's the way we grow future ridership so uh we're we have better utilization of the crews and the equipment much more efficiently and we're also instead of amtrak's inefficiency of operating two different fleets you know the acela and then slower trains two different maintenance cycles two different crew training two different markets we have one standard fleet much more efficient. To okay, so so operate. Scott, Scott, uh, I'm going to risk evoking an old Saturday Night Live bit here, but I, I got to do it. Are you telling us then that you're going to profit because you're going to be making money through volume, 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 and more efficiency, efficiency, and efficiency? For instance, Amtrak terminates a lot of service in Penn Station, New York, one of the most expensive real estate places you can do. In our operation, we don't terminate anything in New York anymore. It runs through, generating ridership up through New England to Springfield and on to Boston and Maine. We actually continue out to Long Island instead of sitting around in Penn Station, New York, and, and, and growing ridership there. So yeah. it's a combination of, uh, of that and efficiency, volume of passengers and efficiency. And we open up new markets. For instance, we stop at Chester we stop at Elkton. We stop every two hours in Newark. We're going to have a service from Richmond to Washington, Baltimore, Philadelphia, and Hoboken, New Jersey. And every two hours, it'll be stopping in, in Newark. Well, that sounds that, that, that sound impressive. It's awesome. But I, I'm also wondering, do you guys get any federal funding? Um, is, no, is it, no, no, we're not asking for a federal dime. Okay. I told, mm, no, no. We've talked to uh, Congresswoman... Lisa Blunt Rochester, Senator Coons, and Senator Carper said, look, the good news is we create a win-win situation. We don't need special legislation. We just need the USDOT to agree to a mutually beneficial 
Ameristar Rail Amtrak operating and maintenance agreement and the user fees that we pay, mm-hmm. and we d- we take everything above the rail. Rick, this is the same model in the airline industry. If your listeners ever fly on American and end up on an American Eagle flight or on United and United Express flight, those flights uh, are operated by independent private airlines that finance the aircraft and the crews and everything else as an affiliated carrier to the majors. So that's all we're doing. We're just being an affiliated carrier to Amtrak, but the trains will still be painted and branded as Amtrak, just like you see American Eagle or United Express. It's the same model. Are you guys affiliated at all with Ameristar Casinos, or is that a separate company? <laughs> no, no, we're not affiliated other than we're taking a gamble and making a profit and running this. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, Scott. No, That's no. what I want. No, because, you know, I'm doing a little bit of reading, and I go down a rabbit hole, and I see, oh, right. well, and, and I didn't see any necessary uh, affiliation there, but it, it's obviously a question that somebody in my position, I, I would think, is compelled to ask. You find other companies, the same name. Uh, no, actually, we, actually, this, this actually we, sounds we fantastic. the name. No, I'm just saying that it does sound well, good. thank you. Uh, especially since it's a private sector uh, solution to something that maybe the government shouldn't be doing entirely. Now, uh, what has been the reaction of uh, Tom Carper, uh, Chris Coons, and Lisa Blunt-Rochester? Well, right now they're waiting to see what happens next, but we've got a serious situation with safety here. And I, and I want to share this because some of your listeners I know uh, work in the Amtrak shops. So sure. maybe one of them could want to call in or maybe someone who retired. But here's what happened. We make it very clear in the letter, which is posted on our website, AmeristarRail.com, that these cars currently meet FRA safety standards, okay? So we, what we're saying is the other stuff is safer. But guess what happened, Rick? There's a lot of people at Amtrak in Delaware who know me over the years. I got three anonymous phone calls I did not expect to get. One guy called me and said, Scotty, you were right about getting these Amfleet cars replaced as soon as possible. We're having all kinds of problems with the side seals cracking. This is the frame on both sides of these Amtrak coach cars. And the flexing and deflection at 125 miles puts a lot of strain on this metal. You can't defy the laws of physics. So they're welding the cracks. They're patch, patch plating the cracks. The other guy called me about cracks in the bolsters. These are the uh, frame pieces that attach the wheel sets to the bottom of each end of the car. And the third call really mystified me. He says, Scotty, you can't believe you're so right to get rid of these cars as soon as possible. We're we're fighting a losing battle fixing the draft pockets. And I said, how is that possible? The draft pockets, Rick, are like I-beams of a bridge, and they're at each end of the car, and they hold the the component of the coupler Uh to attach to the car. So the thousands of tons of the train are holding the cars together as they accelerate and decelerate. I said, how could they – draft pockets be falling apart. He says, Scotty, think where they're at. They're located at both ends of the car, underneath the entrance of the car, the vestibules, and all those years are running through winter. The snow and ice that builds up in the cars, what do they do? They're always throwing salt down in those areas, and it's all corroding this metal. So you can't defy the laws of physics here, and that's the problems we're facing. So what's next? So right now we've briefed the Federal Railroad Administration and the National Transportation Safety Board because they investigate accidents. As far as we're concerned, we're being preventative. You know, in my railroad career, we've always learned when in doubt, take the safest route. And so we have a financial way of replacing these cars before they turn 50 years old. And the FRA and NTSB 
has agreed to hold a safety review meeting for these uh, cars and our plan to replace them on an accelerated schedule, as well as have Amtrak in the meeting because they know about these Amfleet cars. Unfortunately, and that's where I'm working with the congressional delegation in Delaware, Amtrak has not uh, agreed to meet yet. And I can't understand why, because when it's involving safety, don't play games. You know, you, you show up and you review the issues, pros and cons, and take the right decision here, but they're not decided to join this meeting. That's interesting because when you got a guy like Paul Rystrup, who's a former president of Amtrak, you would think that maybe that would have a little bit of uh, cash cachet to inspire that meeting, you know? It it, it should. He's a living railroad legend, and he's making the right call, as people can see in our letter. And and Rick, for your listeners, this affects over 70% of the passengers who are boarding at the Wilmington station. And we said this to the congressional delegation because most people cannot afford the safer Acela trains. Right. So this disproportionately affects senior citizens, families, students, uh, low-income coach passengers who are going to be riding this. And And I'll say this. We look across the world and say, why can't America have trains as fast as Europe and Asia? And yet we're trying to be faster, but now we're going to be the only ones running half-century-old cars, 125 miles an hour. I mean, why, why is this country doing this? We well, don't. Well, that, that is the question sure here. And Scott, Scott. Uh, by the way, folks, if you just tuned in, uh, Scott Spencer, he's a, uh, a well-known railroad consultant, Ameristar Rail, right here in Wilmington, Delaware. Um, you know, guys and, and women in the Biden administration, you've negotiated and talked with them over the years, so. How come? Why aren't you getting some help from Amtrak, Joe? Well, we, you know, the president obviously has a full plate, but we are working through the officials at uh, USDOT and uh, Secretary Buttigieg. But no, we're going to bring this to a head because I'm going to tell you right now, Rick, I've been in this industry since 1979. As I said, I've never seen a more serious safety situation than this one. I mean, hurtling down track at well over 100 miles an hour and half-century-old passenger cars, uh-uh. Totally got We're it. not going to let this happen, and I assume the congressional delegation will also step up on that. Scott's... They ride these trains themselves. Oh, yeah, they do, yeah. Scott Spencer, Ameristar Rail, always glad to hear from you. Thanks for this, and keep us updated. Oh, you're welcome. You got it, Rick.